Alright everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Cutlass Podcast, where I work to provide you knowledge, insights, and advice to make people and organizations more sturdy, versatile, and credible. I'm your host, Paul Kingsbury, and today I thought we'd get into some of the content that builds on value and belief systems, just like what I wrote in Chapter 1 of the Chief Petty Officer's Guide. That whole chapter introduced you into the value and belief systems that underlie the behaviors and expectations we expect out of Chief Petty Officers. So performance starts with a good value and belief system because that's what shapes your personal attitude. And an attitude is that settled way of thinking or feeling towards anything, right? It could be an object, a person, a thing, or an event. And for our purposes, I think it's how you think about your organization, your mission, your role and position in that organization, and then also how you think about the people around you. Once you have that attitude set, that reflects itself in your behavior and what you say and do. So today I wanted to cover down on an article that was written by Mass Chief Mike Bemley back in April of 2020 in Proceedings Magazine. I think it was an online article, and it was titled The Relentless Chief. For the purposes of this podcast, though, I think we can just change that to call it The Relentless Leader. And really what Mike wrote about was how to lead people with purpose, and how to avoid what he came to know as the blame, complain, and defend mindset or attitude that leaders can have when bad things happen instead of accepting responsibility or when they overcome hurdles or obstacles instead of going after them or seeking resources and help. Certain leaders will tend to want to blame, complain, and defend. So he talked uh, with me a bit about that. We recorded this on a proceedings podcast last year. But I thought it'd be cool to bring it out, edit it for Cutlass, and offer you the insights in the, on the conversation that Mike had. So... I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let's check it out. Here's where that conversation starts with Mike and I. Oh, thank you for having me. I think this is an awesome opportunity that you appreciate. It. Give us a little bit about your background. How long have you been in? Uh, what's your experience? I initially joined as a, as a DK, a dispersion clerk, and then transitioned to PS uh, when they merged uh, with the PNs. And then I, I cross-rated in 2009 to CTR and then ended up doing mostly special operations support in Fort Bragg with JSOC and then, you know, made senior chief, MASH chief, and then uh, was selected to be a detailer here at NBC. You had an article you submitted, it was uh, published, uh, titled The Relentless Chief. Great time to reflect on, you know, how well we're doing, the health of the chief's mess, maybe pause and reflect on our core value beliefs and, and just check ourselves. So you get this idea, what prompted you to write this article? And what's been the response to date to it? So I'm, you know, obsessed with uh, growth, right? And trying to figure out how I can be better. And and at the same time, um, when you're when you're a mass chief, you're a chief of the mass. You know, you, you kind of you want that for your you want that for your brothers and sisters as well. So through my experiences with um, uh, command SEO position and and leading a uh, season or two, I think. When I when I see a chief and or a chief's mess and, and I see these different chiefs have these different mindsets towards what their job is and what what it's not, it's easy to to kind of list out. Okay, this is your task: one, two, three, four, and five. A checklist. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to I wanted to write something that addressed the mindset to get at the the foundation of a chief based on feedback from past you know post command tour CEOs, peers in the chief's mess, and then. I, um, the best advice <laughs> coming from the, the sailors you lead. The, uh, that's initially what got me to write this. And, and I think really what I was trying to do is offer something to the mess to say, hey, think about these things and think about this mindset that we this right here could possibly just 
address the culture issues and things like that in your command or, you know, divisions, departments or command wide. So, you know, in the article, one of the points you state straight out, you know, in your introduction is I have found that Navy needs what I call relentless chief. And, and then you go on to list three attributes of the relentless chief. So from your experience, Where'd you learn these attributes? Is that something you developed? Is something that was passed on to you from peer, a mentor? Did you hear that from someone? And do you think the average chief in the Navy right now has those attributes or do they lack the attributes that you kind of carry out? I chose these three things uh, from, they they came from a a bunch of different places. Uh, Specifically, uh, I remember it from my my even very first chief. uh, And then also I have a really good relationship with my CEO, you know, I had the opportunity to be his command SEL for it. And, and we talked about these things all the time. You know, when you wake up or when you when you're start your day, and you're a chief and you're doing these things and, hey, you, you get to do these things. You, you these aren't things that you have to do. It, that mindset is, is kind of negative. But if you say, hey, I, I get to lead with purpose and I, I get to explain to my sailors why they're doing something or why this this mission is uh, important or why you have to do that, that, that is something that you want to do. You, you've decided, we're selected for chief, you decided that you wanted to be that and you want to do that. I can not think of any chief that has ever stood there getting pinned as anchors and then next day said, I don't want to do the things that are in the chief's creed. And, and essentially what I'm getting at in the article is the stuff in the, in the chief pedagogy's creed. Uh, you know, we get to lead we owe our sailors. Uh, we get to serve them because it's not about us. We talk about humility in the, in the CPO's creed. And, and ultimately, chiefs are problem solvers for junior sailors and seniors at the same time. So Yeah, so your three points were lead with purpose, right? Serve people and then be a problem solver. Obviously, they align with many of the mantras we hear like results, not excuses, ask the chief, content found in the chief petty officer's creed. And then you contrast that with so that's the things you look for right in a good chief and then you contrast that um, with the bcd mindset so tell us a little bit about the bcd mindset i was listening to another podcast that that my that same co uh commander barnes sent to me and i had never heard of it before i had heard of versions of it but bcd specifically was easy to remember blame complain defend And, and to be honest you find a lot of you know, chiefs in that kind of mindset, that BCD, like everything that's happened is because of somebody else or because of something else and and not necessarily owning what they're part of it, basically. And so, and so I'm just saying that as chiefs, we have a lot of things on our shoulders uh, inherently. Relentless chiefing is, is what I chose because I'm a chief and I wanted to Speak to my brothers and sisters. Uh, as a leader, BCD is, is not something that you want to do. You want to choose to be as, explicitly in, and choose to lead as much as possible. And that's where BCD and the contrast came from. Because I, I just I wanted to tell Chief that I saw and I see BCD in a, in a lot of cases, but it doesn't have to be. The Navy puts a lot on our shoulders, rightfully so. We we take it and we own it. But if you're feeling that you uh, or, you know, you're not moving forward, you can't do it, you need a break, you need something, then it's okay to ask. Uh, it's okay to take a break and but let your brothers and sisters know so they can pick you up because we don't have a, a mechanism. To, there's nothing that can cover us 
You know, we, we accept the Chiefs mess, period. You know, I always come back to that. You know, what role does the Chiefs mess, what role does it play or should it play in handling a Chief that's succumbing to the BCD mindset of blame, complain, and defend? During the season, right, during every season, we talk about who's supposed to cover down for you, who you're supposed to go to when you need help. It's always, the answer's always the mess. <laughs> always, you know, Chiefs, but sometimes what I see Chiefs doing, and, and I get a different view from being a detailer, I have to be honest. I mean, I, I, it's part of me now. It's part of the way I, I think, lead, um, and handle situations now. It's just because I, I view, my view from being a detailer is that there's a lot that our Chiefs, you know, could grow from instead of choosing to be like, you know, if this wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done that or, or whatever, blame, complain, defend. Basically, all they need to do is just either ask for help or just say, hey, I'm about, all right, it's time for me to retire. And, and we would understand that. But that's generally not what's happening. It's, it's more um, negative than that. And, and I think our junior sailors and uh, seniors are seeing that. And that's something that we can clean up. That's all. That's all I'm saying. And that's some, just a different mindset that we could have. It's okay for you to be down. It's okay for you to be tired, but you got to come to the right people for help. So I've been a guest on a couple podcasts myself, and I've been asked this discussion. And you know, one when you read things like the Chief Petty Officer's Creed or the Mission Vision Guiding Principles, you know, or any of the mantras that are out there, right? You see them on the T-shirts, you see them on the coins. Results, not excuses. Ask the Chief. There's a lot of heavy pressure on Chief Petty Officers, right? There's a lot of legacy to fulfill. There's a lot of responsibility, defined responsibility and undefined responsibility you got to fulfill. And sometimes I wonder, is it, is it so much, is the standard so high that some chiefs are just like, hey, I can't meet that standard, but I can't show that I can't meet the standard, so I won't go to help. And they fall into these other behaviors. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, wholeheartedly that uh, there is a lot. And I know, I know junior sailors, like part of the even the response uh, or feedback or messages that I saw from the article, you know, junior sailors are, are talking about cover-ups and things that their chiefs have done or whatever, you know, I'm sure there's more sides, you know, to, to the situation than what they said, but however, some of it's true. And um, there's so much put on them that I think sometimes they think that they have to do, when they're put in these positions there, they have to do something. And, and sometimes it's not the right thing to do, but they don't want to ask somebody to, who has been in that situation or, or not. What I'm saying is, yes, I agree with what you said. And I think that that's where the integrity and things like that come into play when you're a chief. You know, one point that I think about when I was reading over your article and kind of thinking about the podcast is you reference the, the chief petty officer's guide and you cite that in your article. Chapter eight, I talked specifically, I felt compelled to write a chapter when I revised that on the role of the chief's mess, right? Because we talk about it I think people think they know what it is, but I'm like, it had been my experience. Maybe you don't under, fully understand what the chief's mess brings to a command and what its what its relationship, the combined mess is with the individual chief. And I talk in there about the self-accountability function that has to be strong within the chief's mess. When you see a BCD chief or a chief that's straying along, the first organization that should correct that or the first person is a fellow chief petty officer. Yeah, what do you see in do you think your average chief petty officer would look at a BCD chief and pull them alongside and give them course correction or try to work with their peers to do that or would they just let them go, roll their eyes and roll on their own day-to-day business? I think uh, a good amount of them, actually I think a good amount of them will uh, bring them try to bring them along 
you know, the problem I see is like during the season, you know, and after the season, you know, we'll do something like, and I'm saying we, because, you know, it, it just, it's, you know, we're the mess, but I, I actually um, see a, another problem with, you know, a, a chief doing that. And, and maybe that's what we've come to is a lot of chiefs don't want to hear it. Like, what do you mean? So, so my problem isn't important or enough to complain about almost like that's the response. Uh, but no, we, we are solutions based. We're solutions driven. So if we have a chief that's trying to bring you along, you should be open to it. That's the standard. There's nothing below that right there. You, you either you have to take the uh, advice and, and do what you will with it. But you can't just you can't just be like, oh, well, no, I don't. I don't agree with you. Don't try to correct me. Don't tell me that and all those things. I see I see both, but I actually think there's more that are willing to at least try to bring some people along, bring them aside. But I think the whole mantra of, hey, we we what happens in a mess stays in a mess. And when we go into the mess, that's when we can actually open up and hold other chiefs accountable. I don't think that's happening, actually. Why not? What do you what are your thoughts on that? I, I mean, because I hear, you know, hey, there, there's there's attributes. People are afraid to kind of just have these difficult conversations. Are we not training younger sailors to have difficult conversations? You know, I'm drafting the Petty Officer's Guide right now with the co-author, First Class Petty Officer, and I built a whole chapter in there about here's how to have a difficult conversation. Do you think we model that and teach that? I mean, I think that's how you learn that. It's You can't just read it in a book. I think you got to see people having those conversations in the right way and you got to get comfortable having those. Um, at least that's my sense. What do you think? No, I, that's awesome. I didn't, I didn't know that. That's awesome that you're putting that in here because that is exactly what we need to do. And we need to start it before they, they make chief. Cause I know we talk about it during the season and we, we try to uh, bring up scenarios where that might happen. Uh, but it is, it is definitely something that potentially you know, generational, somebody will say millennials or some people will say something else. I, I actually just think that it's just not happening enough that um, people don't understand it. So they, they just think it's a, oh, you're mad at me. I, I It's so crazy. Like I used to be a, um, you know, I was I was one of those hard headed, uh, uh, you know, made chief, you know, really fast. Then I was a, you know, a really uh, hard-headed chief like I was just trying to be, be the best my division was going to be the best like period but I wasn't able that self-awareness on my specific flaws as a leader wasn't pointed out until now now command master chief Alifayo, uh was my department LCPO at the time he showed me the way of doing counselings for chiefs when he counseled me he did my first midterm counseling basically like hey you might be doing great in those areas but hey this is what you need to fix I, all that other stuff, I don't need to talk about that stuff. This is the meat right here. This is what you need to work on. And that's what my whole counseling was about. Not about anything that was going great with my division or people. I, I mean, I had a had an awesome set of sailors, but that wasn't what he wanted to talk about. It was hard conversations that and it made me see and understand, hey, it's really um, about growth here. And I think a lot of chiefs aren't being receptive to that. I actually don't know why. I, like I said, it could be like we just not started early enough, and, I, and I'm glad that you're addressing it in that petty officer's guide. But you kind of be you gotta gotta be tactful in some of the you know negative things you want to bring up because they they're just not ready for it. There's a way to do that, right? So first of all, it takes. So we'll back it up. One thing I'm always wondering about, and a shift I've seen, right? I was asked on a on a different podcast, like, "Hey, what's my assessment of the mess?" And I, I got to compare and contrast. And I'm not trying to be that. Hey, I'm that old school retired mass chief who did it differently. But 
that that cheese mess I grew up under, and this is where I think the generational component comes in, right? So it was all about those generations were big on positional authority and respect for authority, right? So although I was a member of the mess, I didn't go kind of rolling up on mass chiefs and senior chiefs too frequently initially with the first name thing or brother, sister. It was like, hey, mass chief, you know, hey, senior chief. It was more formal with the respect for position. And then, you know, I made chief in 1996 and then I've seen through the 90s and the you know 2000s the shift to this more brother-sister, hey, brother-sister mindset. And I got it, right? And I, this is why I wrote that chapter in there. It's like, yes, there's a horizontal relationship where we all have access to each other and there's a personal relationship, but there's still a hierarchy, right? That E8, that E9 still has responsibility to discipline that cheese mess, right? And I think some people get that twisted that, well, hey, we're all brother-sisters in the mess now, so you got me and I got you. That can't get distorted or you'll lose good order and discipline in the mess. So I think that's a piece of it that may be out there that people got to consider. The Cutlass Podcast will return in a moment. Are you an aspiring or newly selected petty officer? Perhaps you are a seasoned chief and you want to reflect on the state of your leadership and management skills. Or maybe you're a civilian looking to learn more about how U.S. Navy leaders make the Navy run. If so, there's a guide for you. The Chief Petty Officers and Petty Officers Guides both provide unique insights into topics such as the ones discussed in this podcast, which enable enlisted leaders from Petty Officer Third Class through Mass Chief and other leaders to achieve their objectives while positively influencing their sailors, peers, and leadership. Both guides are essential and insightful reading for enlisted leaders of any experience level, those who are inspired to advance to Chief Petty Officer or Petty Officer, or anyone looking to reflect on the state of their leadership and management skills. Get your copy of either or both today at www.cutlessleadership.com, www.usni.org backslash books, or online at your bookstore of choice. Then read and reflect and take what you learn to become and remain a sturdy, versatile, and credible leader and manager who makes a positive difference in your teams. Now back to the Cutlass Podcast. We see that, uh, you know, in, in organizations where there's a bunch of chiefs, right, all the time. Uh, hard conversations are, are things that they're just not, they're just not wanting to hear from their brother or sister, but you because they forget that that's a mass chief, senior chief, you know, yeah. uh, relationship there too. So. Yeah. And I was chiefed as a chief, right? I was a young chief. We talked about this before we, you know, went live on the podcast, but Chiefs are human too, right? We're all susceptible to bad decision-making. You know, we're still maturing. We're still learning. You know, we're growing into our role. You make senior chief, as you know, right? It's different. That's a new role you got to grow into. And the relationships with with your peers in the mess change, and you got to learn to reconcile that. But there's several times when, you know, I had a senior chief or mass chief that in no uncertain terms made it clear, like, hey, you're gooning this up. Get your stuff squared away. Uh, and I took that on board. At the same time, I could go down in the mess and approach them and listen to their conversations and learn openly. So there's a balance to it. So I think what happens is if we lose that balance, um, that self-accountability function can fail. And then the BCD chief you know, goes on their way without being corrected to the betterment of the chief's mess at large. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and you talked about that, right? So you, know, you mentioned, right? And I've, I've seen that, right? Chiefs have a lot of expectations. So the officers have given us a lot of responsibility. They've given us authority. They've given us backing, right? One of the comments to your article that I saw 
uh, was a buddy that socialized. He's a retired mass chief. He was on the fleet CPO training team, Larry Linton. He socialized that on his Facebook page. And one of his former COs came back and touted the importance of the chief and how navies around the world look at how our chiefs operate. And they're, they're envious and they always want to know what makes your cheese mess tick, what makes it good, and those kind of things. So there's a lot of clout that's put in the cheese mess by the wardroom. But there is you know another perspective that matters is the peer-to-peer perspective, and we talked about that. And the cheese creed talks about expectations of officers and expectations of peers. One thing I don't think it touches enough on is expectations of your sailors for the cheese mess, right? And they're signaling... In no uncertain terms, right, through writing, through podcasts, through blogs, social media, the tools that they can signal now that this kind of lack of trust in the cheese mess, you know, I've written about it, I've tried to facilitate the discussion. So what's your assessment of that right now with with CPO mess culture and the relation with sailors and, and how do we make sure we're doing that right? I would say that based on comments and feedback, and just based on that number of sailors, I'll say, and, and the experience I've seen is it's not enough of trust building, right? And it, and it almost is a culture shift because, you know, I can hear chiefs say, well, you know, that's just what I said. That is what you're going to do. I said that. That's it. Or, uh, or that kind of tone or that kind of mindset towards uh, the new, or I'll say the new sailor, but the sailors that are coming now, um, that, that trust uh, is built through and understanding and acting upon everything in the chief's creed and, and addressing everything, you know, laid out uh, the power bases that were cool in the, in the chief's guide, sailors will trust consistency and, and know that. And if you're being honest with them at all times, that'll be a way to build trust and, and holding other chiefs accountable. Cause I, the biggest complaint is the chiefs are, are covering up something or, uh, you know, that chief got in trouble, but they're not having an open mast or that chief did the same thing as me. Why are they not getting in trouble or, or whatever? All those things in line. But I think the only way to build trust with the current sailors is, is to be consistent with them, whether it's simple things like listening, you know, to them, maybe uh, might might help getting them and not trying to solve all their problems, but helping them solve them. You know, that, that might help as well. But at the same time, I mean, we just have to do, uh, we have to get better as a chief's mess. That's that's it. I mean, and if anybody, I challenge anybody to tell me that we don't need to get better. It's just that, you know, it's something that we have to do and we have to own it. And, uh, and remember that we owe the sailors, period. It's nothing they owe us. So I think if we get that and, and, and live that way and chief that way, I think we turn the tide on trust with the junior sailors. Cause that's, that's where it's really, I think really going to matter. So, and there's a balance, right? So I want chief petty officers who can be firm and fair and go to those more pressure based leading tack. There is a time and a place, as you know, to say, get it done. Right. But those times are kind of far and few between usually, right. you know, day-to-day operations and the maintenance and the things we do day to day, there's plenty of time to treat people with dignity and respect Give them a, you know, an explanation of what they're doing and, frankly, connect it, like you said, one of your attributes to the mission. Because people – I heard this, right? An officer said this. Uh, the commandant of the Marine Corps said this out at West 2020. People want to make a difference and they want to like the team they're on. So if a chief petty officer can ensure their people know that what they do daily is making a difference and empower them to make a difference and then create a, an environment where they like the team they're on or they feel a part of a, a good team – You've got them, right? You're going to buy them in and those are the sailors are going to stay. And I think what they're telling us is you're not letting us make a difference 
you're not listening or we don't like the team we're on because there's some conflicting standards from their perspective. And, I, and that's what I, I like to tell people, you know, not everybody's going to be happy, right? So it's, it just is a, that's a known, right? It's given. Uh, it's not going to be happy. Not everyone's going to have all Chiefs, just, just talking about Chiefs because we're talking about them, they come from everywhere. All walks of life, all kinds of, you know, things they grew up and, and persevered through, you know. Uh, but I always tell people, hey, it's, that's leadership, right? So any, any leader you're going to have comes from anywhere and everywhere. They're not going to be like your perfect leader so uh just just stand by and uh try to try to uh, become a member of the team really so that's an important point is there an absolute chief you know what i mean is there a i mean i I don't think so i mean we got the cpo creed it gives guidance and some expectations we've got all these mantras like i mentioned that lead to stuff and people have their own personal mantras but i think that's important to understand is like chiefs throughout our history you read about the ones in the cpo guide and the more well-known ones they led in their own unique way and i think they were good leaders not because they were were chief petty officers but they were they became a chief petty officer that because they were a good leader and they continued to to lead with those attributes that made them successful from a young you know young age as a sailor Exactly. I always say a, a good person will be a good chief. That's the basis. Like you being a good, just a good person, you know, uh, good morals, good values. Um, and then, you know, chief will, chief will come. You actually want to help people. That is a, that'll be a good chief. All right. Let's switch gears a little bit. You know, because once again, this is a perfect time. I would hope that chiefs messes around the Navy are reflecting command mass chiefs and senior enlisted leaders and cobs or facilitate a discussion. Chiefs messes are sitting down and take a little time to reflect on, hey, how are we doing, right? Because chiefs messes are also, you know, command influence, right? So you can have very strong chiefs mess at certain commands and weak at others. So I think this is a great month for chiefs messes to sit down and reflect on not just your article, but um, the CPO creed and other things they're doing. Let's talk about your writing experience now. Um, what were your personal barriers to writing and how did you overcome those? And what kind of advice and encouragement would you offer to uh, sailors and, and fellow chiefs on the writing and the process? I saw a couple articles from yourself, but then uh, Command Master Chief Bill Woodland's uh, message to chiefs as well. That's, and then that's that that didn't get me writing. It just got me uh, more interested in what people write about and what people care about, um, you know, writing about. And then essentially. To get to this article, I think they were like, so I initially did the process backwards. Uh, well, some people might call it backwards. Um, I wrote something. Um, I asked one person to check, you know, what, what were their thoughts on it? And then it evolved tremendously from that because I initially started writing about how detailers and uh, ECMs could, you know, better impact the fleet, help the chief's mess. You know, I, that's what I initially started writing about. Yep. And then I wrote relentless Chief, I don't know what I called it at first. And then I said, here, US and I, uh, you know, check this out. <laughs> um, and without any peer review. So that's where I messed up at. So then I had like, I took some trusted, you know, chiefs that I knew that would tell me, hey, Mike, no, or ask the right questions. Like, what do you mean by this? Like, what are you talking about? And then the final came out to like, you know, 29 versions trying to figure it out and, and stay tight on it. I, it. It was definitely challenging because I hadn't written anything for anybody else before, except right. for maybe an email or something. Every time I'm talking to someone about the article, I say, hey, well, why don't you write something? Because I know you have something that you want to say that that probably be beneficial for our, you know, our Navy, period. 
Um, and they're like, oh, no, I can't. I was like, I'm like, no, no, no. You don't understand. I'm not a writer. But there are awesome uh, editors and things like that that help you uh, get your words together and say what you, you know, really say what you're trying to say. Yeah, let's close it out. What, any last thoughts, any things you want to emphasize and highlight before we close out? The Relentless Chief article specifically was uh, something to, to give to the Chief's mess to say, hey, think about these things. Uh, if uh, if it's something that you can take on board to you know make yourself make your leadership style better or make better your command or unit, um, I, I, this is what I'm offering to you. It's just a different mindset, and I think it applies to civilians uh, and and officers as well. And I think I, I got a lot of feedback from both that it definitely touched them as well. So I think just go ahead and take it on board. And if you have any questions for me, I want to you know clarify something that I said in there. But, it, but by all means, it was definitely not a bash to the mess or is it trying to exclude the E6 and below um, leaders or the senior leaders as well? Yeah. The reason we write and bring these things up, whether it's popular or unpopular, makes people uncomfortable or gets people to agree is because we care, right? We care about the health of the cheese mess. We care about the health and the effectiveness of our Navy and the fact that the cheese mess has huge, huge responsibility and impact on the readiness of our Navy yeah, all day I'll write if I think it's not doing as good as it could do. So thanks again for doing that. All right, Master Chief Bemley, thanks for joining me today. Everyone check out his article online. It's titled The Relentless Chief. Uh, and if you like that content and the discussion and the things we talk about, you can also check out the Chief Petty Officer's Guide. If you like what you heard, subscribe to the Cutlass Podcast on your favorite podcast channel and like and share to help me spread this content to those who can use and improve. This is Paul Kingsbury. Work hard to keep your leadership cutlass sharp, reflect and improve, and take what you learn to become a sturdy, versatile, and credible leader who dares to make a positive difference.